Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Feeling good on this Friday, the Friday day of our recording? Yeah, unusual for us to be recording this late in the week, but, uh, but here yeah, we are. Usually, we like our Fridays to ourselves. Well, Friday afternoon, I'm having a, a cider to celebrate. Oh, look at you. Man. I have to admit to you Uh-oh. that uh, my drinking through the holidays was like off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I have regrets about any of the socializing that I did. Had a great time. No yeah. drama. Yeah. No drama over here. But I just felt over that long haul like fucking tired. Yeah. Takes a toll. Like it is an energy suck. And I don't sleep as well when I've been drinking, so I'm trying to make the drinking count. Yeah. You know, like, if I don't drink all the time and I can save it for occasions when I hang out with people and just have a lot of drinks then, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> kind of binge it all at once is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. That's just good, clean fun. The last time I did any drinking was with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had a very fun time at a famous Los Angeles restaurant. Yeah, with our buddy Chuck Bryant. Yeah, the martinis were flowing that night, my friend. And our friend and agent showed up. Yeah. And uh, we imbibed pretty handsomely that night, and uh, I don't blame you for feeling a little overwhelmed by all of that. I want to share one of the great bits with the friends of DeSoto <laughs> that, that happened that night. So we, I think... Our final resting place of the evening, that where we ended up with Chuck and our friend and agent, was like the fourth spot of the night or something. Like, yeah. We'd had drinks in many different places before we ended up there. And when it came time to pay the bill, everyone in our, in our social group is usually really great about this. Just throwing a card into the middle. Like, There's no drama about who's going to pay. Someone's going to pay. Someone's going to pay half, whatever. Speaking of reasonable. But my drunken mind went in on the bit that took your credit card and then asked you for a second credit card <laughs> in an attempt to split the bill with yourself. <laughs> and it was so funny at the at the time. It like doubled us over in the booth. We we had four people at the table and at least seven credit cards floating around at some point. Why? I I don't know why we thought it was so funny. I mean, we were a lot of martinis in at that point. And yeah. um, I did, I, I uh, wore the jacket that I was wearing that day, the other day for a dog walk. And I put my hand in the pocket and found a receipt. And I was like, I did get the bill. I thought I got the bill. Wow. I had no idea where it went. <laughs> <laughs> this was just for the first round that we got at the bar before they seated us. So oh, yeah. I think nice. Chuck must have paid or our friend and agent. If, if you didn't. Uh, that's not fair. <laughs> they should only ever have to pay for 10%. I know, I know, yeah. I thought you were going to say you reached into your pocket and you felt uh, congealed creamed spinach. <laughs> <laughs> Take that for the road. 
<laughs> you got the leftovers that night, didn't you? I did. I took home the doggy bag and I was uh, I sat down in front of my wife a couple days later at lunchtime. She was working from home. She was in the house during lunchtime and she walked in and saw me eating like half of a steak, a bunch of uh, gratinated potatoes, creamed spinach, wow. and like reheated onion rings. And I was like, yeah, so I don't know why my heartburn has been so bad lately. I got a really big pop from her on that. <laughs> Just a solo power lunch, if there ever was one. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Got to get through these leftovers, man. They're, they're stacking up. I love a garbage plate. You just scrape all of the individual boxes of takeout onto one plate, put it in the microwave, hit reheat, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. auto reheat yeah. if you can get it, oh. and then bam. I don't think my microwave is quite that clever. <laughs> I mean, it, it projects the air of cleverness, Yeah, but auto reheat rarely works. No, no. The sensor package on these things are, uh, are pretty remedial at best. How can any technology reheat an onion ring to the same heat as a steak? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did the uh, sous vide steak reheat trick, and that worked really well. Did it? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's a. I recently discovered that sous vide is a great way to reheat barbecue, which is notoriously tricky to get back to its former glory when it's gone the way of the leftover. I tell you what. I am mostly always turning my leftover proteins e into either a quesadilla or a stir fry. Like I just, <laughs> I d avoid the challenge of reheat <laughs> entirely and just yeah. dice it up. Yeah, yeah. Barbecue is pretty solid in both situations. So yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> hey, Adam, we have a little bit of business we need to attend to. We had a recent Code 47 where I had a couple of unverified items, no compromat had been sent in along mm. with, and uh, we've verified all of these things now with the card daddy. So uh, so do you want to do a quick like makeup uh, Code 47? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a Code 47. Verify. It is Code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. This first one is from John in Niceville, Florida, so I'm immediately suspicious. <laughs> John in Niceville, Florida has the upper hand now, Ben. <laughs> if it was Niceville, Pennsylvania, I wouldn't even open it, but for some reason, Florida is the more trustworthy state in this context. All right, I think you're going to like this. Here's a letter. Ben and Adam, greetings. Thank you for doing the impossible and actually making me look forward to my commute. As a token of appreciation, please find two of my challenge coins enclosed along with an enterprise model that quickly proved beyond my capabilities. Wow. Perhaps you guys could use it in the event of a Starship Mine episode. I sincerely hope you guys are going to move on to Enterprise when you're done with Voyager. That show has Shimoda's galore and you'd be remiss if you skipped it. Best wishes and keep up the great work. John C. The enterprise that John C. has included is the D. It's one of these like metal oh. flat model deals. I tried one of these ones and I was also not smart enough to put it together. These challenge coins are, are like poker chips. Oh, I like that. And uh, they are CW3 Carrillo's chip of okayness. Good job on not being a total fuck up. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So uh thanks, John. <laughs> it's 
Sounds like serious business being done by that group. Yeah. All right, this is from H. Ezekiel Sauer, and it goes like this. Dear Ben and Adam, first, I would like to say how much you guys have meant to me over the last two and a half or so years. This podcast has been such a positive point in my day-to-day life and has got me through so much. I first heard of your show while I was playing Star Trek online, and someone was broadcasting one of your episodes into the open chat. I immediately fell in love with the humor and asked the FOD what they were listening to and thus became an FOD myself. I started off by listening to a few episodes of TNG here and there, but I wanted to start listening in order since I had recently rewatched DS9. I started the first episode and worked my way through until I caught up to the latest episode, which at the time was around mid-season seven. I wanted to catch back up with the rest of the episode, so I gave myself more to listen to when I went back and started listening to all of TNG. When I got to DS9, I figured, why stop? And I listened to that whole series a second time. Jesus. By the time I got back up to the latest episode, you guys were about four seasons into Voyager, and I once again found myself wanting more Ben and Adam in my life than once a week. So for the second time, I jumped back to the beginning of the series, and as of writing this letter, I have just started to get back into the Voyager series again. I can honestly say I laughed just as hard as though it was the first time I heard them. Your jokes and impressions have been a constant source of joy, and I'm so thankful I got to attend my first ever live show the Double Dumbass Tour Streaming Spectacular. I was so incredibly nervous getting to meet you guys face-to-face in the meet-and-greet, but I cherish the video I have of it. In that video, I showed you guys a neat little collector's book I found in a thrift shop. I asked if you guys had anything like it, and you expressed that it was something you had not seen before. As a small token of my appreciation for the amazing work you do, I have enclosed that as well as some TOS USPS stamps I had laying around. The book was originally designed to purchase packets of pages to add to the book. I had a few that came with the book, including some duplicates that I put in and will keep an eye out for more to send. Thank you so much for the laughs. Your loyal FOD and pod viewer, H. Ezekiel Sauer. So here is the book. It's like a binder of Star Trek universe. It's the user manual of the Star Trek universe. And it looks like, yeah, like these are all like collectible pages. There's like a page on the first pilot, the cage. I'm seeing stuff about making the model for the D. Oh man, look at that young, fresh-faced Garrett Wong in that Voyager <laughs> premiere uh-huh. picture. My goodness, what a hunk! And the reason it's a binder is, I guess the I guess the pages. You want it to lay flat while you're making recipes, right? <laughs> yeah. And if the pages stick together, you can just take those pages out and and put replacements in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, is this one on? I see I see Calvin Hudson in in here. Damn. So this book is legit. That rules. Yeah. This, that was on a page on the Mayquees. Mayquees. Man, there's so much cool stuff in here. Is it a binder you can actually open? Like in school? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Listen to that. Imagine sending something good and cool and not glitter. (laughs) Ten times as many days as there are rings in that binder, Ben. (laughs) In the title of today's episode, that's a mathy pivot. (laughs) Uh, Let's get into the episode we came to talk about. It's uh, season five, episode nine of Star Trek Voyager. 
30 days. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> this cold open is shocking. Janeway has demoted Paris to Enton. Yeah. Has sent him to solitary confinement for 30 days. She rips the pip off his collar. She takes his sword out of the scabbard and breaks it over her knee. He does a... At first, it's a pip walk, but then it's a perp walk, right? (laughs) When he passes uh, BLT and Kim and Seven. Yeah, no goodbyes from that. Hey, (laughs) hey, BLT, are you guys still an item? Because the (laughs) quietly watching who may be your boyfriend or not be perp walk to the brig. No, I'll wait for you. No, uh, (laughs) write me a letter every day. If I were being professionally censured or whatever, or put into jail, Mm -hmm. it would hurt almost as much for my wife to say nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know she's disappointed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I also just like Paris saying, I know where the brig is, as though, like, I don't think we've ever seen him put in the brig, but I, I like the idea that this is not his first rodeo even when it comes to being on Voyager. Yeah. I was really missing that scene. Like, Paris takes off his comm badge before going in. Yeah. But I wanted to see, like, the equivalent of the baggie where, like, all your stuff goes. Oh, yeah. I don't think his boots have shoelaces, but, like, the equivalent of, like, taking off all the stuff that could be used to escape or hurt yourself. Yeah. That kind of thing. They shave his head. They uh, yeah. throw delousing powder at his junk and, like, scrub him off in a shower with, like, <laughs> brooms. <laughs> it's really giving a prisoner the benefit of the doubt when the cell is carpeted, you know? (laughs) I think that really raises the floor on quality of prisoner. If you can carpet it and not have that be a huge mistake. Yeah. What's what's the deal with the solitary confinement, though? Like, that is widely recognized to be, like, psychological torture. And everybody's like, yeah, you deserve it, Tom. Yeah, I mean... That's uncomfortable to experience throughout the episode, especially as Paris begins to wither in the face of it. Mm -hmm. We get one of those, you're probably wondering how I got here, kind of moves to theme, right? Yeah. It's a, uh, like, he's like lying on, he's lying on the bed, we get the theme, and when we come back, Neelix is dropping off his, like, Leola root gruel. (laughs) (laughs) I love the bit of uh, jumping up the number of push-ups he's finishing off when when Neelix comes in. Staying in shape? Oh, yeah. I do it every time I'm in jail. Yeah, I mean, it's important. You got to get that prison barity as soon as possible. Yeah, you think he'll get like a Bic pen and and like a sewing needle and give himself some prison tats too? Hard to say. I mean, B-Dunks is looking pretty jacked here. Like when he goes down to the gray. Yeah. The prison issue gray. Yeah. His mutiny shirt. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that the lack of a facility in the brig is the strongest evidence we have that they're beaming the poops out? Yeah. I do think that. Do you think we need to make this another item in the store? (laughs) Is this the 30 days shirt? 30 days shirt? (laughs) 
Because I think that the uh, the mutiny shirt is actually a, a long sleeve. It is. But the 30 days shirt is a short sleeve. There you go. Well, I think it has to be a shirt. <laughs> I think those are just the rules. Yeah. You said it. Uh. <laughs> the basic nutrition only diet is what Paris is on. And that's the reason for the Leola root chow. Yeah. Bread and water, huh? Let's have it. This is also a scene where it's made clear that Neelix is kind of the red of Paris's Shawshank. Like, he wanted a pad and he got one. So he can ask for stuff and receive it, but he can't get things like holodeck privileges or better tasting food or a conversation. Yeah. There are limits to what Neelix can provide, and Neelix kind of turns on his heels and walks away. I wondered how, like, what does this pad have on it? Is just it like an empty iPad or, do, you know, can he like watch movies? Can he listen to music? Don't you get the sense that prison porn is probably like the, the <laughs> grossest, worst convenience store magazine porn? <laughs> like he's got big naturals on on his pad you know yeah. yeah i did notice the word gash on the back of that pad when when neelix handed it over some real sick shit in there yeah that kind of stuff you can't even send through subspace <laughs> but that's not what paris has in mind for this pad he's using it to write a letter this becomes sort of an epistolary episode where now ensign paris is uh, explaining his actions to Admiral Paris back home, yeah. who may never even get to read this. I like the handful of takes he needs to get the beginning of the letter right. I kind of struggle with the beginning of letters. Mm. Yeah. Like how you want to address the person you're writing. Dear father, pause and erase. Dear can feel a little weird when it's like an estranged relative like Admiral Paris. Totally. Hey, dad. Long time no see. Once the letter begins, we flash back to a Captain Proton scene, and oh my god, we're finally seeing the Delaney sisters, aren't we? Yeah, that's that's them. They're even more beautiful than I imagined. The level of difficulty of delivering on the promise of the Delaney sisters in season five, episode nine, after yeah. they've been so built up, and the fact that they're this foxy... And they're in these crazy getups, and they're clearly about to do some really kinky shit with Harry. Yeah, I mean, the idea of the brain probe being wheeled over to Ensign Kim and him kind of wanting it. <laughs> you know, ordinarily I'm too ashamed to say what I really want. Maybe you should use the brain probe <laughs> to suck it out of me. <laughs> Captain Proton bursts in, saves the day, and it's another example of this holodeck program being like, what does Kim and the Delaney sisters get out of this game <laughs> if it isn't the power play of it? Because the Delaney sisters are of lower rank than Kim here, yeah, and Kim possibly the lowest rank. yeah. But in the holodeck, it's an even playing field. It really is. The, the power gets traded around, doesn't it? It does. And and like clearly everybody's disappointed that Captain Proton like overcame whatever obstacles he overcame to get in this door because they were having a lot of fun, just the three of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the party's over. They walk out of the holodeck, and it's clear the Delaney sisters need to go back to work. Kim's been doing this program on his day off. Yeah. Hey Delaney sisters. 
I know it's my day off, but I can help with work stuff. <laughs> and he kind of gets his balls mashed in over this. Like they would rather work more and alone than spend time with Harry Kim. Thanks anyway. I mean, sometimes like when you're in the scene, you know, but like going back Are to Are you a, talking about the lifestyle? Yeah, like uh, going back to just like a mundane, you know, it's not the same as like helping me study for my test or whatever, you know? Like that's just not going to get you there. Right. If you need to dress up like a space villain. Oh, so you think Kim thinks that the Delaney sisters are speaking in code, but to the Delaney sisters in the scene, their work is actually work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I see. Coffee does not mean sex in this scene. <laughs> in this in this context, coffee means coffee. Okay. Wow, I got to watch out for that one. <laughs> this is all just stuff that I've like gathered over years of listening to the Savage Love podcast, but I'm not, you know, I'm not speaking from any expertise of my own. Right. Of course, it's locked in. That one Delaney sister lightly smashed Kim's balls here. Paris gives them another light bit of kicking in the turbo lift when he observes just how on brand this entire scene was yeah. to be into a girl or girls that aren't into him. Yeah. At least I'm consistent. And he goes down like the laundry list. That's uncool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't most Voyager crew people have pretty bad lists of ex-lovers? <laughs> Yeah. When the piggins are slim and like the, the failures are as dramatic as they have been. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough lifestyle yeah. living on board Voyager. Also interesting about this scene is that the Delaney sisters appear to report to Lieutenant Paris. Right. And uh, not for long. No. Yeah. Not for long at all. Uh, they head up to the bridge and uh, they are informed by the captain and Chakotay that there's interesting readings on long-range sensors and it's a, a planet or something like it with lots of life signs and when they get it up on screen it's just like a bubble of ocean in space pretty great looking yeah as a planet this ocean planet i love it you get just a second to observe it before starships come out of it yeah which is great that's a fun surprise what are these Mon mungians <laughs> like manja manja Oh, jeez. Is that what they are? Hey, it's, it's a three-space ship. <laughs> They're kind of looking like a piece of pizza. No replicated pizza for a person in a jail. Bless Janeway for hailing first and getting attacked in reply. <laughs> so Janeway, like, almost frustratingly is like, God, fine, take out their weapon systems with their phasers. Jesus. Yeah. This again. And they do. And then they're going to call us the fucking ship of death. Cool. <laughs> Berkus is on screen to greet. You violated our space. Boy, this reverses course pretty fast. Yeah. Berkus goes from get the fuck out. This is our maritime sovereignty you're fucking around with. And he gets like totally brought to heel in a uh, kid who's just really into cool starships kind of way. <laughs> your ship's impressive. This is great work by Janeway. Well, I'd be happy to give you a tour. Yeah, they're like, we're explorers and we'll leave if you really want us to. And he's like, but wait! Burkus is like, you fly a fire truck! 
<laughs> Can I see it? <laughs> Smash cut to Burkus coming aboard and didn't like the look of uh, taking a brand new person that you've just met all the way to the bridge. I don't know why I'm conditioned to think that, but it just, I don't know. Yeah. I like to give it time. I also like... Burkus is wearing blue and his two lackeys are wearing red. And I was like, oh, is there like a, are, are they some kind of uh, like rivals secretly or something like that? Mm. Then I noticed that one of his lackeys is uh, Stanford from uh, Sex in the City. And I was like, no, this guy hasn't got an evil bone in his body. I have never seen that show. So I don't quite get the reference. Oh man. We're best friends. We make each other laugh. We both sleep with men. Yeah, Willie Garson is the actor. Riga helps to answer the Q&A questions in this meeting they have. Yeah. Which is helpful. He also forwards their main issue. Like, yeah, the planet's cool and everything, and we have an underwater society and underwater ships and and the whole thing, but yeah. we're kind of losing our grasp on the water. The water's getting away, and we don't really know why. Riga kind of has the uh, aspect of like Jack Ryan and the beginning of Hunt for Red October, where he's like an analyst who is who seems really nervous to be like among all these power players. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, "Yeah, like here's my opinion. Not that anyone asked, but uh, you know, I think that like the uh, divine gift from the creator's story about our water planet may be bullshit." You know, just saying. Yeah, there is that thing established between Riga and Burkus that goes like, just because Burkus is in charge, it doesn't mean that Riga is just there to sit quietly and agree with everything he says. And there's a weird kind of mirroring happening between Riga and Burkus and Paris and Janeway, right? Right. Because Paris sort of becomes the Riga of the Voyager crew. And my God, I just wrote a film paper <laughs> about this episode. <laughs> like, like they kind of egg each other on. Right. Indeed they do. So the backstory is that these people used to be nomadic, but they've been at this water bubble thing for the last uh, couple hundred years. And Riga's like, hey, like, uh, you guys actually might be able to do something to help us about the like loss of containment that our ocean is experiencing. And Burkus is like... Ixnay on entertainment K. Riga is, is so great about like the guilt trip of, yeah, you know, I bet we could solve our planet's problems if we could just go deeper into the water, but he kind of like kicks at the floor like, we just don't have the technology to get all the way down there like you guys. It's too bad our spaceship isn't as cool as this one. Anyways. If only we had a space fire truck. You could get all the way to the bottom. <laughs> and Paris practically climbs over the back of Janeway and is like, well, we got the tech you need. Yeah. The next scene is just Paris and Janeway like canoodling almost in yeah. her ready room. Like she's replicated him some, some vegetable broth maybe. This scene hits pretty hard after the cold open, right? Like it's just nice to remember better days. Yeah. Yeah. Paris is regaling her with stories of how much he loved stories about ancient sailing ships as a boy. He he thought maybe he'd joined the Earth Navy, like the uh, the like actual ocean navy when uh <laughs> he got out of uh, high school. I would love for there to be a a new Star Trek show that is Federation Navy <laughs> and it's all the navies on all the 
member planets in the Federation. <laughs> and it's not unlike JAG or uh, like any other CBS show. <laughs> just a procedural? Yeah. Just a Navy procedural set in the Star Trek universe. Star Trek JAG DSV? Yeah. I think we could call it. That's it. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a, mi- a meeting with, uh, <laughs> with Paramount, you know? I love how non-condescending Paris is with Janeway. Like, look, if you think about it, water is a lot like space. And so the Delta Flyer is already sealed for that kind of mission. Yeah. Minimal uh, changes would have to be made to the Delta Flyer, whereas if they were going to try and do this mission, and and to be clear, the mission is go to the middle of the water planet and see what's up with the gravitational forces. They could spend a week doing these modifications to Voyager or an afternoon doing them to the Delta Flyer. Right. Mr. Paris, it would seem as though this is a mission where you will get wet, but you may get soaked. (laughs) And he's like, are you telling me to take the Delaney sisters with me? Don't you remember I was covered in crud (laughs) a couple episodes ago and then people took pictures of me to laugh at? I got to get clean. Yeah. Get some water, wipe off that crud. I'm all right with that. So Paris can't do this alone. He needs a Harry Kim to be his first mate. I love a putting together a team montage. Yeah. I love how you can just walk the corridor and assemble your team. You're like a a team building Katamari Damase, you know? He's like (laughs) like rolling through the halls. Yeah. Picking them up. Yeah. So Harry's the first mate. Seven is going to be the bosun. And uh, Riga's going to come along as their local guide. I know they didn't mean it this way, but Riga showing up with too much gear on this mission is like a guy who brought a cake to a birthday party. I can't remember the last time someone got smashed as hard in the nuts about a faux pas like this. He is made to look so fucking stupid that I don't think the episode intends to make him look this bad, but he looks like a fucking dope. (laughs) Do you think it's just the ball? Like the thing that looks like a a diving bell or whatever? Maybe, but like, I think the episode wants you to take him seriously and his concern seriously, but his character is portrayed as so weak. Yeah. And guy who brings all the gear guy. He's giving AV club in a way that feels like it's too nerdy. Yeah. 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 These are my instruments for measuring depth, pressure, current. We will not need them. This vessel is equipped with a complete sensor array. Oh. And it makes me feel like Paris is making a mistake by, like, partnering with this guy. Yeah. They really humiliate him, but he gets on the ship with the rest of them. (laughs) Paris knocks the helmet out of his hands. (laughs) You can store your gear in the hold. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. I noticed that uh, when uh, they depart the Voyager, the report Harry gives is that they're 20,000 kilometers from the surface, which felt like a little callback to Paris's love of 20,000 leagues. Yeah. And uh, the Delta Flyer, Adam, becomes the Delta Swimmer. (laughs) That was great. Yeah, it sure does. I love Splashdown. We get a lot of Splashdowns in this episode. Hey, I know that B-Dunks and Garrett Wong don't listen, but if if anybody affiliated with the Delta Flyers is listening, for this episode, when they get to it, you can have that. The Delta Swimmers. Rebrand the podcast. 
just make it like the Delta Swimmers podcast on that one day. That'd be fun. So I was walking Ripley mm. just yesterday morning, mm. going out on the morning walk. And I encountered a person on the walk wearing a It's The Voyager t-shirt, which is known to be a Delta Flyers show merch shirt. Oh, wow. And uh, I I walked by and I was like, oh, hey, cool shirt, uh, Delta Flyers, right? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, uh, I host Greatest Generation. <laughs> and they look at me like, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you should give it a listen sometime. And they're like, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it was so fucking awkward. Wow. I don't think, <laughs> I think I had assumed some crossover appeal where maybe there isn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was neat to see in my neighborhood someone wear a Star Trek shirt of any kind and specifically a Star Trek podcast shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, these guys have good merch. I know. Yeah. What's up with all the like, uh, just like every image is like heavily there's like watermarks all over them well they're doing a thing that we should probably think about doing which is you can use some print-on-demand companies to just rip art off of existing stores and then reprint it yourself yeah so they've had that happen to them weak yeah don't do that to podcasts yeah it's hard enough to make a living doing this we, we have very few available avenues yeah. So they they're getting into the swing of this and Paris is just having a ball, right? He he loves this shit. He's using like nautical terminology. Sailor talk. You'll get the hang of it. Ah. They're loving like seeing the the facilities that have been built by the uh the Mangians. For some reason Paris is using a a like big wooden wheel to steer <laughs> yeah. the ship. He took all his Captain Proton crap out of the Delta Flyer and replaced it with uh <laughs> like sextants yeah. and compasses and stuff. The reveal of the underwater city is really cool. And the sonar sound inside the Delta Flyer, that's fun. Yeah. Like they do what they can to make it feel different from space. Yeah, it looks really good. And uh, they're super impressed by this like desalination plant. And uh, up on Voyager, Janeway is not having as good a time. She's going to have to break some bad news. Yeah. And uh, Berkus is going to be its recipient. She tells Berkus, and Chakotay's there too, that your water planet has five years before a total loss of containment. And there's not a lot of detail about what that means. I kind of wanted to see the passage of time slideshow. Like, right. I wish they sat him down and showed yeah. him like what his planet looked like as it got smaller and smaller. <laughs> well, judge for yourself. Here's Lisa today. Without treatment, here's what she'll look like at age 11, age 14, age 17, and finally, age 18. That would have been fun, like the yeah. turning into just like a marble of water in space yeah. animation. Yeah, and so things like mass evacuation are on the table, and Burgess is like, not taking this as the emergency that it's intended to be. He's like, all right, well, it could be that way, but why don't we wait until the Delta Flyer returns before we make any rash decisions? Yeah. I mean, this is agreeable, you know? Like, the whole point of the Delta Flyer going down there was to fix this problem. So maybe it's right. not a problem. Yeah. And also, like, your math could be wrong. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, nobody panic here. 
I'm guilty of this all the time. Like uh, imagining problems down the road that haven't even occurred yet. Uh-huh. Why don't we just chill out and live for today? That would be nice. Yeah. The Delta Flyer finds a structure down in the deep, deep. And Riga is pretty confused at this. They're down deeper than anyone's ever been. Yeah. And the station that they find down there is so old. It's 100,000 years old. And they kind of figure out that this thing malfunctioning may be part of the problem. Yeah. And Riga's like original thought had been that this planet had formed naturally like a gas giant. So mm-hmm. this really undermines everything he thought might be the case. The thing about Riga in a, in a scene like this especially is like I'm reflexively waiting for Riga to go, well, our entire society is based on this religion and we can't just change that. So let's just keep it the way it is. Like so many Star Trek episodes have been about the inflexibility of a society with an already ingrained right. way of thinking about their creation. Yeah. That anything that runs against their creation myth is like, yeah. nope, can't do it. But Riga is pretty open-minded here. Riga's not like, don't check inside that object out there for children. We definitely don't run our civilization on children. (laughs) Jolif needs me. Okay. We're not one of those societies, at least. (laughs) Look, we are perfect, but we aren't a child battery society. I mean, I could tell this thing was bad from the second we cut to the wide shot, and you can see that it looks like a COVID molecule. Mm. Yeah. I love that there's a... (laughs) I love that unrelated to anything else in the episode, there is a sea monster and is it is a giant electric eel. <laughs> it is big fun. Yeah. It's just there to kind of like cause trouble as they try to upload the database and yeah. figure out what is happening inside this machine that they've just discovered. Just to add a little bit of freeze on to the episode. There's always a bigger fish. It's always felt to me like Star Trek ship weapon damage is like magic damage. And what this thing does is like melee damage, right? Like (laughs) you see the eel like slap itself into the ship and that's damaging it. Right. But it's not a science fiction form of attack. Yeah. Oh man. It's like a wizard going up against a berserker. Right. Yeah. That's a better comparison. (laughs) No, that's the comparison that you were making. (laughs) They get the sea monster to retreat but uh, not before it's caused a leak. And you know what that means. Paris is going to get wet. (laughs) I hope he doesn't get Steve Zond. I guess we know for a fact that he doesn't get Steve Zond because he's in prison later. That's right. So it takes some of the fun out of this. He's going to be okay. Yeah. So uh, we come back to him writing his his letter, and uh, he's like working in the room, and uh, we get a banger. And the security guy that's, you know, stationed down here in the brig leaves his post to go to a, presumably a different post that he has that's more important if the ship is in combat. Scotty's outside the doors when it opens and he just kind of hops into Scotty's arms <laughs> to get brought up to the bridge. <laughs> Paris is arguing for like, hey, I'm the best pilot you got. Let me out of here. Let me help save the ship at least. Yeah. This doesn't change any minds. Paris is left to kind of bounce off the wall yeah. and hit the floor. They didn't put a, a like a seat belt of any kind in the brig. No. Which also seems cruel and unusual, you know? Yeah. You know the power in the brig is the first to go out when they need to reroute it. Yeah. When we cut back from break, 
the doctor is treating Paris's boo-boos and uh, he's like regaling Paris with the heroic rise of Ensign Culhane, sort of like, uh, you know, coming off the bench to uh, really do great in the in the second quarter after the star of the team was injured or whatever. Yeah. I hear Captain Janeway is considering him for chief con officer. Oh, yeah? It's like Linsanity for Ensign Culhane, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. My feelings are Lintense. It's Lindescribable. So, after being told that uh, he still has 20 days of this shit ahead of him by the doctor, Paris gets back to writing his letter. Do you need a little more blood in Star Trek Voyager? I just feel like if there's ever going to be blood, a scalp wound is where it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been an interesting, like, heightening of how isolated Paris feels in this episode. Like, if he, like, was really hurt looking here. Yeah. But the doc just does everything he can to diminish Paris in this scene. He does. He evokes Naomi Wildman's name (laughs) as a way to condescend to him. Paris is like, come on, did you have to do that? Yeah. Can you reprogram him or something? I've got to get that platinum. Get that robe enlargement. I've got to get that platinum. Are you planning a heist? Gold. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful. No matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. 
lovely new gifts are lined up, the episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So Paris gets back to his letter and we're back to leak repair. I loved the uh, the effect of the leak ceiling because there's like actual water coming through this crack. And I don't know if they like slid a you know piece of lumber across the, the mm-hmm. crack or, or something, but like the water is interacting with the light on the mm-hmm. beam that he's using. It was really cool. It looked great. I mean, it's more than just the water leak. The Delta Flyer has been pretty heavily damaged. A lot of systems are down including propulsion, right? And so Seven is like, how are we going to get this thing to the surface besides dumping a bunch of shit out of it, making ourselves lighter and floating to the surface? They also can't communicate with Voyager after this eel attack. So they don't have any way to call for help. But Paris, as the captain of this mission, decides that despite the desperate situation, he would like to stay. And he actually offers to let them go and like leave him with a a suit, which apparently they also have suits that can survive pressure at this depth. Do you think it was just a first contact suit? <laughs> I thought for sure they were going to bust out a couple of those. <laughs> Mr. Paris, do you remember your underwater combat training? Yeah. <laughs> what are you suggesting? <laughs> exactly. Paris really rushes to the, if you guys don't want to do this, you can fucking leave, but I'm staying. That's the difference between a lieutenant and a captain, right? Like, there's no yeah. rousing speech. There's no stirring yeah. motivational moment. <laughs> yeah, lieutenant is fine. I'll do it myself. <laughs> you have a better idea? And so everybody agrees. Like, all right, we don't want to. We'll let the baby have his bottle. We'll continue to fix the array or whatever. And uh, while they're working on it, we cut to the surface of the planet and like a sort of reverse tornado thing forms on the surface and water starts going out into space and up on the Voyager, they're like, shit, fuck. It's like happening faster than we thought. And uh, so it's going to have to be a deflector dish based solution. And uh, they, you know, move into position and try and set this up, but they're still not in contact with the Delta flyer. And Burkus is like, do you think they died or like, what do you think? And like, I have like political risk here, you know, if, if the mission to save whatever's at the middle of the planet failed and and your deflector array thing fails, like I'm like the, the council's going to be very upset with me. And Tanway's like, we're talking about the lives of everybody on your planet, man. What are you doing? Yeah. And then the lives of the people on the Delta Flyer. And then like 20 
buttons down. <laughs> How it's going to look in front of Congress. <laughs> On the Delta Flyer, they've discovered that there is a problem with the density of the water on the planet. The water density has been increasing. I'm your density. The reactor at the center has been compensating by beefing up its own structural integrity field, and that is causing its uh, containment fields to lose power, which is why containment is failing. And this uh, seems to be related to the fact that they do this like oceanic desalination and oxygen mining. It's the industry of the uh, Bongians. Yeah. Is it Manaeans? I don't know. I don't know. Like Janelle? Whoa! I didn't write it down. Or I, read, I wrote it down, but I think it auto-corrected incorrectly. That's what happens. I just want you to know that I see you. Yeah. This is the scene where Paris works wet, and it had me thinking, for how long <laughs> will he be working wet? Yeah. From a production standpoint, I mean, because it looks great and desperate to have him do the work of a Starfleet officer soaked. Right. But like as a production issue, it's a real challenge. It's a pain in the butt. And as we went back subsequent scenes, I was like, wow, he's still wet. <laughs> I was impressed. Yeah. Starfleet uniforms must be wicking, right? They've got like some kind of modern fabric that wicks really well. It would be great if it was almost that, but instead it was more like uh, the Back to the Future 2 version of like <laughs> a tunic with like internal dryers and they're very loud. drying. <laughs> Your jacket is now dry. Paris is like, I'm modulating the power transfer and Harry's like, what? <laughs> Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They got it good enough. Yeah. On Voyager, they read from afar that the containment problem has been fixed. And not only that, the Delta Flyer is surfacing. Yeah. So things seem to be okay. Yeah, it's doing the slow surfacing that they were talking about. But uh, the planet is no longer pissing itself into space. And uh, boy, what a relief for Berkus. You know, the... The other politicians are going to be happy with him and not mad at him. All they had to do on the Delta Flyer is dump out Harry Kim's clarinet (laughs) and his clarinet case (laughs) and a pile of his clarinet sheet music Yeah, and all his extra reeds right? and that little uh, absorbent towel on the rope with the little weight at the end. Yeah, and then they started rising and then they beamed out all of Riga's equipment And he was like, we were already rising. What are you doing? (laughs) I thought I left it behind. Are you saying you brought it on board just to blow it out into the ocean? (laughs) God damn it. That stuff was expensive. Yeah. Back on the Voyager after they've returned home, Paris shows Riga a graphic on a screen that shows like how their water planet was formed. And there's all this water and the life that uh, lives within the planet used to all be on the surface of a rocky planet. And the people that lived there built this, this gravitational device, sent it up into space, and then over 200 years sucked all of the water and everything living in it up into this water planet. We have no idea why. They just did this a long time ago. Commence operation suck. It's incredible how much confidence this episode has and what's interesting. Like, 
this is really interesting. Yeah. Try to ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) It is incredible to think that this society did this to their water. Was it an accident? Did they mean to do it? There are 10 different questions you could ask. None of them are asked. None of them are answered. The less we ask, the better. Yeah. It's like, uh, why do you think they did it? I don't know. Anyways. (laughs) You guys didn't form a religion around this or anything, did you? Like, this is a solvable problem for your society? And you haven't been, like, beaming children into the middle of it, did you? We honor his sacrifice. What? I can understand how to stop beaming children into the middle of this generator would be a scandal at this point. (laughs) Because you never want to be the family of the last child that got beamed into your mistake. Like, there's the relief of the family whose child is, like, next on deck. Yeah. But the family that, like, literally just sent little Timmy down to the reactor, they're going to be pissed. The family of the last child are not going to become friends or be comforted by the family of the child on deck. (laughs) You can keep your casserole. Speaking of children, Adam, we cut from this scene to a young Tom Perez playing boats while getting scolded by his asshole admiral father that playing boats is never going to get him into Starfleet. Yeah. You got to do your homework, kiddo. No son of mine is going to play with a sailing ship. I really admire the uh, parenting style of Admiral Paris. I think I'm going to take a page from his playbook when I raise Darone. <laughs> yeah, keep the model ships out of his hand. Yeah. I'm looking up this child actor, Randy Reiner. <laughs> Has an IMDb page. Yeah. Can you guess how many credits? How many credits, Adam? One credit. This is it. One credit only. He's a gold star actor. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Gold star Star Trek actor. I was looking up uh, Ben Livingston, the the guy that plays uh, Berkus. Mm -hmm. He's still working all the time. He was in Manifest. He's in uh, Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. He's in a ton of stuff. All over the place. Crazy. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Tiny Tom Paris turns into old and unshaven Tom Paris in the brig, and he gets woken up by Harry Kim. Yeah. Harry Kim is here at the halftime of Paris's solitary confinement. He's He's been allowed like a couple of minutes to give a, a little pep talk. You know what's crazy is they were in jail together. Remember that episode? Yeah. I do remember that. The jail with the turbs? They did some hard time together, man. They did. Kim doesn't bring that up. No. Too difficult to talk about. Yeah. He doesn't bring him a a puck of food. (laughs) Yeah. Paris asks at this moment in time, 20 days into his sentence, how his girlfriend is. Yeah. Yikes. Seems weird that she's not the one that comes to see her, right? (laughs) (laughs) She's busy with work, Ben. (laughs) Got a lot of engineering to do. Does this 30-day sentence allow for conjugal visits? (laughs) Do you think that's why they didn't do it? Was because it would be so obviously, like, that would raise the question of conjugal visit to the level that you just can't have that distraction? Yeah. Because that's really, like, the episode. If 
you know, the second the idea of conjugal visits gets raised, like how do you how do you have the scene where you show the graphic of the ocean getting sucked off the surface of the planet? That's not the kind of sucking off we're interested in at that point. Yeah, uh, it's all we can think about. Yeah, I know the feeling. What is this scene, Ben? Is this tough love, Kim, or is this Kim kind of being a jerk? Like Kim knows how bad Paris has it with his dad. Why is he? Why is he going all in on the letter thing? Yeah, I mean, I kind of got the feeling that Kim felt it was like the best therapy for Tom. If he's, I mean, if he's got the time, you know, like maybe just finish the letter. I don't know, man. You got to be careful trying to therapy other people. I mean, I don't, but most people do. Yeah. I'm good at it. Kim's like, hey, maybe you should finish that letter and also push out some more shups. <laughs> yeah. Look at those flabby arms. You telling me you're doing 100 a day? No fucking way. Yeah. Ask Neelix to put more protein in the Leola root stew. Yeah. They're not that kind of protein. Gross. Paris basically kicks Kim out of the brig. Thanks for the visit, Harry. Which is a moment that isn't referred to later in any way. Like, yeah. I hope they're all right. Yeah. It's pretty intense to be like alone for that long and then be the first visitor you get be like, ah, I, I, I could do better. <laughs> yeah. We go back in the past again and the McLaughlin group Issue one. has Burkus asking Janeway for tech meant for deep sea missions. He's like, great. That thing you did with the Delta Flyer, very impressive. Maybe you could uh, give us some of that so we can do our own deep sea missions. Lieutenant Torres will give you everything you need. And then BLT gets up and she's like, yeah, we also figured out a way to replicate oxygen so you don't need to keep fucking your ocean up and and straining your equipment like that. You know, like if you're (laughs) going to destroy your planet, you probably want to replicate instead of destroy, right? Perkis gets up from the table in this moment and he's like, all right, cool. Thanks for the meeting. And BLT's like, hey, you forgot. That iPad full of incredible information. <laughs> now I'm good. Captain, Yeah. I wish you a safe journey. Doesn't want it. No. He doesn't want to take that to the council. Yeah. And this is starting to look unsavory for Burkus. Like, what is Burkus doing with his domestic policy? If, like, if he is literally just overseeing, like, making a diplomatic contact with an alien starship that fixed the planet, temporarily like he should have like a big political mandate like this should be a huge win that he could be able to go back and like lead his people into a new era it's just a failure of leadership with Burkus. what makes this difficult to stomach is that this would seem to be a i don't know what they are economically but they do not seem to be a capitalist society and so no capitalist society wears hats like this The effort required to change the way a society does this sort of energy making. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be the same. Like there's no, there's no like, well, the business interests of our planet will never go for changing their energy policies. Right. That's completely absent. It only seems to be up to whether or not Burkus wants to do it because he's been given the answers. And the answers are free. Like, re- once yeah. you're replicating oxygen, it's like, who gives a shit? Like, let's replicate all the oxygen we want. I think this has a lot to do with the whether or not I like the episode part of this episode. It's like, did they do enough here to give Burkus enough of a reason other than Burkus just being Burkus? Yeah. I mean, you're kind of as worked up 
as Paris is in this moment and in yeah. the same way, which is like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, yeah, the, you, you just got a silver platter with the solution to like some of the biggest ills of your society. And Burkus is like, Brian in the veins, Brian in the veins. I think a lot of episodes of Star Trek would take this scene even longer and, and have Janeway be like, you know, on our planet, we had the opportunity for many years to change our energy policy, and we did not. And then, like, make eye contact with the camera, just, like, spike yeah. the lens. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, like, draw a bolder line between the two things. Yeah, but when Burgess leaves, Paris is in trouble with Janeway. She's like, hey, can you knock it off, like jumping over my back and you know taking your complaints directly to this guy while I'm trying to diplomacy with him like this shit needs a lighter touch what are you doing Mr. Paris are you still wet from that mission because your chair and my back are soaked (laughs) this is a good scene though Janeway's got to do this right like she jerks the leash don't just do that in our meetings you know how our meetings go yeah I'm the leader of the meetings yeah, she jerked the leash, but she's like, next time I'm going to put one of those pinchy collars on you so that when I jerk the leash, you really feel it. She's like, this is Star Trek, and we can't just make these planets do what we want. <laughs> Maybe in TOS, but not now. <laughs> right. So Paris goes and has a black and white bum out on the set of his Captain Proton game, and BLT comes into the holotech and has a seat next to him and, uh, you know, like lets him get it off his chest, the frustration that he has with the political situation on Manja. I just can't get over Manja. I'm sure I'm wrong. You don't need to correct me. Like, save your tweets. I don't even check Twitter anymore, okay? Save it. You've, You've said that over and over again, Ben. We get it. That I don't know what I'm talking about or that I don't check Twitter? (laughs) We know your personal feelings about Twitter. Yeah, but I also, like, literally know that I'm wrong and I don't need to be corrected. Does BLT know what she's doing here? Nudging Tom into rogue territory? (laughs) You could read this as BLT fucking around with him. Like, who knows what we are? Maybe we're together, maybe we're not. I don't know what you do in the holodeck with the Delaney sisters. I mean, I saw how they were dressed. I mean, it seems like maybe inappropriate if if we're supposed to be like a couple or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think the answer is she does not know what she does. But the consequence is that Paris runs to the transporter pad before Riga beams away and is like, look, we got rules about interfering with other societies. But uh, one way around that is uh, we could do some rhetorical needle threading. (laughs) And uh, I could sort of talk about things without looking at you. And then you could kind of make it clear that these are things that you're interested in. Does it violate the prime directive to like tell someone the loophole in the prime directive? Paris is like, back on ancient earth when you wanted to hire a sex worker that you thought was maybe a cop. (laughs) You'd have to do things like, uh, you know, put the money on the dresser, but not say what it's for. Yeah. And, you know, you have to say you're a cop if you're a cop, right? You know, (laughs) things like that. So you see what I'm getting at, Riga, when I talk about those moments in Earth's history. And Riga's like not picking up on it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Paris is like, all right. Riga's like, so wait, do you want to pay me for sex? <laughs> <laughs> I want to solve your planet's problems, Riga. No, but but do you also want to have sex with me? And he's like, yes, I mean, of course, but that's that's not the transaction I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> yes, but I can't pay for it. That's the prime directive <laughs> column B. Oh my God. That is the prime directive, isn't it? Yeah. The prime directive is not getting caught paying for sex. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Metaphor. <laughs> I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you, and you have just crossed the line. Instead of beaming Riga down, they head to the Delta Flyer and we get the announcement from Tuvok on the bridge that an unauthorized launch is now leaving the shuttle bay and they have plunged into the ocean before Voyager can do anything about it. Janeway is on FaceTime with Burkus going like, I, yeah, they've gone rouge. I have no idea what they're up to, but I'm betting it's not great for the oxygen production facilities on your planet. When Riga goes rogue, is it called going roga? <laughs> yes. Probably not. Yeah. That's a very offensive term in uh, in N.K. Jemison novels. So uh, be very careful using the word roga. Uh-oh. All right. I'll never remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Underwater, Ben, the Delta Flyer has avoided torpedoes being shot at them. And we learn that they have a a missile on board. Were you surprised to learn that they had a missile on the Delta flyer that they were going to use for this mission? I think that they, uh, they talked about it. It's like the, the Borg enhanced weapon systems include missiles. I could have used a little more about that. (laughs) I'm surprised that this is the first you're hearing of it. I'm almost positive. They talked about it in the build the Delta flyer episode. God, I was really paying attention, but clearly I wasn't. Yeah. You thought so. Yeah. (laughs) They've given the people that work in the oxygen mining plant five minutes to evacuate. And Burkus is like telling the captain about this. And she's like, well, can you do it? Like, we'll stop them. But can you get your people evacuated just out of an abundance of caution? And he's like, well, yes, but that's not the point. I was like, that's amazing. You can evacuate in five minutes. This is huge. What would it look like politically if I ordered (laughs) them to do that? (laughs) There's like a little window of opportunity they talk about, which is that the Delta Flyer has to like rise to a certain shallowness to fire its missile. Mm -hmm. Launch depth, Ben. Yeah. And they're going to use one of their precious photon torpedoes to kill Tom Paris and stop this madness. Janeway to Chicote is like, I just wonder if Tom Paris is torpedo worthy. Yeah, and Tuvok is like, you should have bought an entire box of them at the store when you found out we were going to the Delta Quadrant. (laughs) I mean, this plays out pretty quickly. Kim is like, are we going to kill Tom Paris? And Janeway's like, absolutely. Yeah. She's like, he fixed his sideburns like I asked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we see this. This happens, man. Like... This is not our birds crossing midair. This is like... Our birds smashing into each other. Yeah, like a Patriot missile. Like, say what you want about the security operation Tuvok is running. He fucking bullseye this missile from orbit. Yeah. 
through water. Through water. Pretty amazing. So impressive. And the like resulting explosion knocks out the Delta Flyer too. Yeah. That's efficiency, man. They cut out the part where Paris shoots the missile and uh, he looks at Riga in the back and he's like, watch your futures end. (laughs) (laughs) And then Riga's like looking at the screen behind him. Yeah. (laughs) Riga's covered in goosebumps. So we're back to where we started, where Tom Paris is in the ready room getting dressed down by the captain. But uh, we see a little bit before the deep pipping portion where yeah. she is like explaining why she's doing it. There's coffee in the protocols that govern this crew. Yes, ma'am. And why he's lucky to have not been just turned over to the uh, Manjian authorities. We make light of this all the time. The act of pulling off a comm badge or whatever, and how much that means. But the physicality of ripping off someone's pip really means a lot and really hits hard in this scene. And you see it twice this episode. You never see anybody touch pips, you know? Yeah. Like nobody ever like reaches up to their neck and like, you know, Chakotay is never like fiddling with a third pip while he's like giving somebody an order to kind of underline. It doesn't seem easy to do either. Like, Like she reaches across and there's not that moment where like, Oh, I got the other pip. I meant the one on the left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I got both of them that time. When it's two full golds, it's like, it's hard yeah. to tell which is which, right? Yeah. It is a rugged scene. And as much as I like the scene of Chicote and Paris going toe to toe a couple episodes ago, I love the scene of Janeway and Paris doing the same. Yeah. They're good like that. It is really good. B-Dunks really brings a lot of like positive chaotic energy to this thing. Like I think his performance as a foil for other characters is really steel sharpening steel. I I love it. I do too. It's not good for Tom Paris, the character, but it's good for everyone else to get scenes with him. <laughs> so he goes back to his quarters and he gets a, a, a call from his girlfriend <laughs> based on this call. PLT is his girlfriend. Yeah, she's like, uh, put the shaver back on the charger, bub. You're gonna need to, you need to go on a second mission because we're going out tonight. <laughs> Leave a little stash for Mama. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And then he finishes his letter, and maybe the most chaotic, unbelievable choice I have ever seen a character make in Star Trek. He saves it to his personal files, and then has the computer set to automatically send it when they're back in range of Starfleet. What the fuck? (laughs) I do not like that idea at all. Hey, keep it in drafts, Paris. Yeah. Just keep it there. Can't hurt anyone there. Make the decision like when your dad is actually around, you know? No regrets in drafts. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. Hmm. Did you like this episode? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. This episode was a real tease. Waterworld Planet, really interesting and fun. Yeah. How Waterworld Planet, almost totally ignored. <laughs> and I, I wanted more how instead of problem of the week, I think. That was, the how was tantalizing. 
But, God. As startling as it is to see Tom Paris have his leash jerked super hard and the reasons for the jerking. Yeah. It makes me sad that he keeps doing this to himself, you know? Like, he means well, and he meant well here, but you can't do what he did. You can't. And and Janeway had to do what she did. Right. In response. Like, I don't know how long he's going to be an ensign. I think that's going to make the power dynamic in the Captain Proton hollow fairly titillating <laughs> going forward. Yeah. I think you're going to get the brain drainer set up on him and uh, the Delaney sisters pumping away on that. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I think that's where I'm at with it. Just a super strong Tom Paris episode. If you don't miss the things that this episode could have been with the water planet, which I think I just craved a little bit more than what we got. What about you? I feel largely similar to you. I, I think that the stuff about the water planet being as tantalizing as it was, was a real strength to me. As much as like the, there's a banger and Paris is getting knocked around in the brig and we never find out what that was or who they were in a fight with or what was mm-hmm. going on is a strength to me. Like this is the world of the show. Like this is like this stuff is happening all the time, whether or not we get an episode about it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the Voyager doesn't have time to find out what the real deal is with the water planet because they got to get home. And like, I think that, yeah, it's still just water to the Voyager. Like there isn't anything that important to them. It's not like deuterium. Right. There's not coffee in that water planet. No. I think that that's kind of an interesting shift that we see from like earlier seasons where they might have spent more time on on that stuff. But I think that this episode is so laser focused on being a major character shift for Paris and, you know, trying to interrogate like how that happened and why it happened. And uh, I think it's really well justified in that respect. Even if you like feel like the, you know, I love old-timey sailing ships is a retcon mm-hmm. of the characters, which I think is a fair point. Like I, like, I don't think we have ever heard him talk about old-timey sailing ships before this episode. Yeah, but it, it couldn't be hot rod garage car planet. <laughs> you know, that would be more in keeping with Paris's interests. Yeah, it's not like they went to uh, maybe internet cult hmm? car world. Yeah. Yeah, I think I like this episode, and that scene with him getting unpipified is so memorable. Yeah. Do you think Janeway just throws the pip into the waste paper basket next to her desk? <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to, like, accidentally, you know, if that ends up in, like, a bowl of peanuts and you, you accidentally eat it, you could break a tooth, you know? I hope those pips are a going concern going forward. Like, I hope they're actually not disposed of and kept in a place that... Maybe when it's time to give them back to Tom Paris, like it's the same pip. Oh wow! Or or something, you know. It's like kept under an illuminated like dome in Janeway's office, so every time he goes in there, he has to look at it. Like all that hair that Kurtwood Smith kept <laughs> on his time travel ship, you know. Is this a hair doll? <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you could turn back time and undo what you did on that water planet mission, maybe you'd get your pip back. Until then, it's living in this triangle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Adam, do you want to see if there's anything in the Priority One inbox? Yeah, I know where those live. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a promotional nature, and that message goes like this. Ben, Adam, and the FOD's Humanist Trek is a new Star Trek podcast exploring the humanism of Star Trek. Humanism has been at the core of Trek storytelling from the beginning, baked into the very essence of the franchise by the great baker of the galaxy himself, Gene Roddenberry. FODs will have to slingshot around the sun because Humanist Trek starts all the way back in 1966 with the original pilot, The Cage. Wow. We're still in TOS season one, so it's easy to get caught up if you start now. Thanks, fellas. So the call to action is to visit humanisttrek.com and then listen to and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That sounds great. Yeah. This is a podcast hosted by Sarah Ray and Allie Ashmead, and uh, this is an area that I wish I knew more about. Finally, a Star Trek podcast from Gene Roddenberry's point of view. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that, uh, you know, we need infinite diversity and infinite combinations in our Star Trek podcasts. And Sure. One exploring Trek from the Gene Roddenberry point of view is just long overdue. I think so, too. I like the idea of this. Humanisttrek.com yeah. is where you can find more information or uh, search that title where the podcasts are. I remember the uh, documentary we watched about the creation of Star Trek The Next Generation had a lot about how Gene Roddenberry really like wanted to focus TNG on humanism and the stuff he'd learned about that in the years since he made TOS. So. You can probably answer this question off the top of the dome way easier than me. Like, what is humanism as it relates to Star Trek? I mean, humanism is, I think, basically the idea that human rights are like the paramount ideal, like ahead of like deism, basically. Yeah. Like, for example, there are groups that are like sort of organized like religions. There's like the secular humanists and Mm -hmm. the uh, like there's secular humanistic Jews as well Mm -hmm. who, you know, gather like weekly and and, like talk about ethics and things, but also like are explicitly talking about those things in terms of like the life of human beings being the most important thing in the world and not like the life of a deity or, or like exalting anything. Right. So... I mean, I think that that, like, really is baked into Star Trek, the idea that, like, we've left all that nonsense behind years ago, and humans' highest goal is to, like, better themselves and not, like, try and make money and shit. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I think this sounds like a great podcast, and uh, best of luck to Humanist Trek. It sounds like a, a great show. Yeah. Our next Priority One message here, Adam, is from Joanna. It's to Gabe. goes like this. Hey, Hermano, my favorite part is immortalizing your birthday with a P1. I'm so glad you are born and that you've made an FOD out of me. May this year bring you the kind of joy that can only be embodied by a drunk Shimoda. Lots of love from your little sister. Happy birthday, Gabe. Happy birthday, Gabe. Happy birthday. And thank you for putting Joanna onto the, uh, onto the show. Yeah. Siblings helping siblings. Become FOTs. Feels good. 
bringing families together. Yeah, I love that shit. Put it in my veins. Like this show does some kind of good. Ben, our final priority one message is from Adam in SF. It is to all P1 virgins everywhere. (laughs) Message goes like this. When I waited years to buy my first P1, I had no idea how exhilarating it would be to hear my message read on air. Now, it's the only way I can get my parasocial relationship with Ben and Adam up over the top. (laughs) And when I listen to an app without one of my P1s, I'm like, God fucking damn it! I wanted my P1 to be in this fucking episode! And this is an episode that has other fucking P1s and people giving fucking birthday messages and promoting your fucking Star Trek podcast and I don't get shit! They don't say anything that I wrote and paid them to say with my money? What the fuck? Ben. God damn it! Ben. Try it. There's coffee in that Priority One message. (laughs) Wow. Hey, Adam and SF, I really hope you were able to uh, get up over the top there. Yeah. That one. I certainly was. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. Way to go for it, Ben. Whew. A little lightheaded after that one. Gabe was wished a happy birthday like a normal person. Humanist Trek, given a nice shout out. Hopefully the recipient of a greatest gen bump. And uh, all P1 virgins everywhere reached climax. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly did. Congrats for that. If you would like to end your P1 virginity or, you know, take another ride on this a here mustache go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron and set up a p1 today hey ben what's that adam did you find yourself a drunk shimoda Incredible. drunk shimoda i gotta give it to blt for the gentle nudge into criminality moment the <laughs> you didn't think she knew what she was doing i don't think she didn't know she could just break up with him if she wants to break up so bad <laughs> You know what? When you see the perp walk after, is that the look of mission accomplished from BLT? Knowing that she nudged him down this road? Finally, he's out of my hair for 30 days. I wonder if it was that. I wonder if it was like, I don't really want to be the like bad girl in the relationship. Like Tom Paris was a fucking like was in jail before we met Mm -hmm. but somehow he is the one that like is clean cut and like not constantly getting in trouble with the captain like fuck that i want him in trouble with the captain once so that he doesn't have that to lord over me (laughs) (laughs) like she's playing fucking chess with tom paris right now and she's kicking his ass i think if blt has ideas about taking 30-day breaks from long-term relationships. I think she should just say so, you know? I think maybe they need to be more able to deal with weird situations in their relationship. They need to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they should get stranded in spacesuits in the middle of the void again. Just, you know, see if that helps their relationship. If you don't approve of the Captain Proton program, BLT... Just say you would prefer he not play those kinds of games without you. (laughs) Don't encourage him to do something that sends him to literal prison. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree. How about you, Adam? Did you have a drunk Shimoda? 
I think the way Paris hits the wall and then the floor when the bangers <laughs> strike as, as he's in the brig, this is such a strong B-Dunks episode. I think you need another take of that one. I just think it's a very uh, Austin Powers-esque, oh, I fell over, oh, I fell over again kind of take. <laughs> I didn't quite believe it. And the doc is like operating on the back of his head. When did he hit the back of his head? I don't know. Yeah. So it's Tom Paris for that moment specifically. But maybe, maybe that was drama. Maybe that was him banging around inside the brig in order to get the doctor to come in so that he could try to manipulate the doctor into getting some time away. Right. Maybe it was all part of the plan. Maybe. All right. That is a less Shimoda-esque move than maybe... It started out as. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe. That's what I got. I like it, Adam. Well, why don't you head to gach.biz slash game, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the next episode. It's season five, episode 10, Counterpoint. Janeway must find a way to hide her telepathic officers, as well as 12 telepathic refugees. That's it? That's it. That's the description of the episode. Wow. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Ben, I've gone over to gach.biz slash game, a game that for a hot minute was non-functional, and then we worked with Philippe Sobriero, Craig Anderson, and Andrew Wong Hoyer to get it back into online shape. Yeah. And uh, really got to thank them for their help. Yeah. Getting it back in working order. We really appreciate the... uh... I mean, they, the three of them have done this uh, as a labor of love. And the fact that that website works and looks great and somehow it isn't a code error that Adam constantly rolls ones is uh, something we re- hugely appreciate. And we don't thank them often enough. That's right. Ben, our runabout is currently on square 17. Just one square ahead is a Quark's Bar episode. A few squares after that is the uh, His Eyes Uncovered episode of Tamerian based episode you're required to learn as you play roll here's my roll ben i've rolled a three Chula! oh boy did i win hardly which puts us on square 20 it's a regular old episode for us oh that's one of our favorite kinds yeah i'm looking forward to dealing with uh, telepathy of sound mind and body and not doing metaphors of any kind I think this is an episode related to an episode of Star Trek Prodigy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, shoot, really? I think something happened in the Star Trek Prodigy show related to an episode of Voyager, and I did a quick bit of research and found that it was on a future episode that I haven't seen yet, and I'm just going to guess that this is it, because it had to do with telepathic people. Okay, I'm into it. Let's hope you're right about that. People should listen to that uh, Star Trek Prodigy run we did over on Greatest Trek, our smash hit New Trek podcast. Yeah, Prodigy, uh, more than just a kid's show, I'd say. I got a lot of entertainment value out of it as an adult. Yeah, it was cool. You could say the same about everything over at Greatest Trek. A lot of entertainment value for adults. Yeah, whether or not you're uh, enjoying all of the new stuff on Paramount Plus, we are. We're talking (laughs) about it. Making jokes. Yeah, it's great. It's a great show. We got to thank everybody that helps support the show by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. Setting up a $5 a month subscription is easy as pie. Gets you access to 
monthly bonus episodes and uh, a huge treasure trove of uh, old bonus episodes about all kinds of fun stuff, including a lot of Star Trek movies mm-hmm. and uh, TOS and TAS episodes. People would really like it. Old tours, old live shows. Yeah. Bunch of stuff. Great stuff. Uh, we got to thank Wendy Pretty, the producer of this show, who is uh, editing just about every episode of this show these days. She's great. We really appreciate her help. We also got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who runs our social media accounts at Greatest Trek on the relevant platforms. We're working with Bill on uh, what, what new cool fun things we can do on social media. If you've got ideas for cool stuff we could be doing with our social media accounts, don't hesitate to uh, drop into the DMs on those and, uh, and make suggestions. Yeah. Anywhere there are friends of DeSoto, you'll find the hashtags greatest gen or greatest trek being used well so look out for your fellow fod's wherever you are we got to thank adam ragusia who made our original theme music of course based on dark materials picard song adam ragusia has uh, had us on his podcast a couple of times adam ragusia podcast i've uh, submitted videos to his youtube channel a couple of times yeah you might learn some stuff about cooking on his youtube channel it's great stuff and uh, he's a, a recent guest on an episode of Greatest Trek. So, uh, you know, the love is going both ways. That's a great episode, Yeah, I think. And we're trying to put video of that on our uh, YouTube channel. So if you're interested in seeing videos of us, that would be where to go. And who wouldn't be? Mm. <laughs> Look at us. Yeah. Looking okay. See what our offices look like for real. Uh-huh. <laughs> what else do we got to do at the end of an episode? I can't remember. I think that's it. I think I think you hit them all. Okay. Well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where uh, Adam and I have to hide that we are, in fact, telepathic and can read each other's minds, but neither of us realizes that the other can read his mind it's like how are you reading the mind and not getting that part you know that was totally inscrutable to me (laughs) i do not understand what that was about (laughs) i don't really either you're so good at remembering the episodes we're about to watch i don't remember this one at all (laughs) well hopefully that makes sense nobody cares make it so Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.